where we weigh, tag, and grade the hogs of politics and pop culture. I'm Dan Spaventa, and I am joined uh, from the faraway capital of this nation by uh, two very weary people because we have been, the three of us, seeped in cats. That's right. It's you know who it is. It's Sam Lewis coming from Washington D.C. We are joined, of course, by Rachie. Rachie, say hello to the fans. I can do my own introduction. You oh. misogynist. Um, this is Rachie, the Elizabeth Warren of the podcast, here to tear down the patriarchy and the catriarchy this week. The patriarchy of cats. <laughs> You'll never win election. Because you are a woman, I said this on the podcast, you, you now you know that it's definitely true and definitely something that I said that you will never win. Yeah, four unconfirmed sources have already reported to CNN that you have uh, slandered Rachi, the, the lone woman on this podcast. And I mean, this is just dripping in misogynoir, I must say. And I just think it's very interesting that Cats, the film, is more progressive than supposed progressive Bernie Sanders. And that, um, spoiler alert, when there is a competition, a woman can win in Cats. <laughs> now, Cats has, you know, there have been many victims in its wake. Uh, I read a blind item that said Taylor Swift fired all of her assistants who recommended she do the film. Uh, thinking it would be her Lady Gaga, you know, movie star turn. I mean, of course that's partially on her, but I gotta say, solid business decision. <laughs> like, I, I, this movie is going to lose a ton of money. It's a smear probably on her record. Not that I think Taylor Swift is that great or has that illustrious of a career, but I don't know. Be, it was surprising to see her and other A-listers and cats. I have to say, it was pretty funny because I'm just going to start from the beginning of my cat's experience. I took my older sister um, for her birthday <laughs> to see cats on a Monday night. <laughs> Good Lord. What now, was your state of mind? Was it altered chemically or did you raw dog it? Yeah, I definitely had a chemical or two in my body because... No, ra rather than raw dogging uh, the Cats film, I definitely uh, approached it like a cat and uh, partook in some, uh, you know, edibles. Yeah, even the cats in the film get, like, chemically altered. They get high off catnip, all of them, and they're all tripping. Like, not even the cats in the film could get through this experience. And I mean, very few people in general could get through this experience against a budget of like 90 something million dollars. It's looking at a worldwide box office of 59 million currently. And I mean, it's it's slated to lose a ton of money for the th studio. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's going to pick up now. It's not like the <laughs> word of mouth is particularly good. But 
I want to just comment that I enjoyed how every trailer um, before the Cats movie was was about anthropomorphic animals, um, except for the Aretha Franklin biopic, which I guess they slotted in there just because Jennifer Hudson was in uh, this movie. Oh man, did you get the did you get the preview for that cursed Call of the Wild adaptation with Harrison Ford and the CGI dog? Yes. The Yukon is a dangerous place. You never know what's coming. I came up here because I didn't want to be around anyone. And then I met Buck. He was a- that was honestly such a disturbing precursor to this film because, I mean, so I have always enjoyed dog movies from like the 90s, you know, Air Bud, all that shit is very classic, Snow Dogs, whatever. And back then they had to actually like train the dogs, I guess, to have these kinds of vaguely human or personified reactions to the actors. But even the dogs in... in John Wick, the most recent John Wick movie, just kicks so much ass and it's amazing choreography the way they're like killing people. But the CGI dog in Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford, which I don't understand why Harrison Ford needs to do these movies. He's already worth tons of tons of money. I, I don't understand why he needs to feels the need to do this anymore. Having said that, the CGI dog in that was almost as disturbing as the entirety of the Cats movie for me. Oh, and uh, Rachie, to answer your question before, if I was in an altered state of mind while viewing the Cats movie, I uh, I, I had to ask if it was Harrison Ford at the end of the trailer because I could not tell. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, seeing him go out like that is so sad, especially because he already fucking sold out to Star Wars before. So I'm like, how low is he going to go? The one thing I will say about the Call of the Wild trailer is I wasn't constantly worrying about where that dog's genitals was like I was throughout the entirety of Cats. I was like, where are their genitals? Where are they? Cats, you just feel like you're seconds away from getting smacked in the face with a spiked penis. Exactly. It's so weird. Like, they tease you the whole film, and then you don't see any cat dicks at all. Okay, yeah. but I mean, we could. I don't. We don't. I don't feel the need to go in chronological order necessarily here. <laughs> it doesn't um, make sense. No, it makes no sense. Uh, but I will say, there's no dicks, but they definitely added some uh, enhancements on Taylor Swift's cat. <laughs> they gave her cat tits, is what you're trying to say. Yes, yes. You've heard of catnip. These are cat tits. <laughs> The human asses were so disturbing to me. Like, oh. I could not deal with it. And, like, the tails. And you also don't see cat butthole, but it's heavily implied. No, yeah, there's, like, there's crevice and there's, like, shadow. But it's not like you see, like, a hole. Oh, but I, I also wanted to mention, um, Harrison Ford doing that movie is, you know, it, it, it's not it's not ideal, but... How about that uh, Doolittle? Oh. oh my god. <laughs> we have no choice but to embark on this perilous journey. Everyone pack your bags. <laughs> you can talk to animals. <gasps> Babies cry. Watch them grow. 
I blocked I blocked that out honestly when I saw it. I uh, speaking of people who don't need to stoop so low to you know cash out on a weird movie. No, it's a passion project. So Downey wanted to make the movie about like the Doolittle book apparently, and apparently the production has just been a complete disaster. I mean, anything that comes out in like January is probably pretty bad, but. Didn't his, yeah. his Sherlock movie, his Sherlock Holmes movie also came out, I want to say, in like January or like in the winter. So I don't know. Maybe that's just a time he enjoys. I think that movie looks like one of the worst, like it honestly looks worse than Cats. Like <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani is an ostrich. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's always a good sign when the trailer for your film has like uh, two lines of dialogue and the rest is just a soundtrack and CGI animals. Like the Cats trailer did have more dialogue, and and the soundtrack was a minor key adaptation of "What a Wonderful World," like the Louis <laughs> Armstrong song. It was sending me. I felt like it also had like um, I might be misremembering this, but I I feel like it just had like those kind of like you know when it's like a bad movie and they put critics quotes in it that are. You know, kind of just like not saying anything. It's almost like it's just like, well, it's like, yes, this is a movie. Yeah. It's a family <laughs> film. <laughs> All right. So, Cats, what the fuck is it? It's a musical fantasy film, came out uh, just a few weeks ago, and it's it, it was a, a very popular Broadway show. D- did you guys see Cats ever? I've never seen it, but we did watch some of the YouTube clips, and I'm not sure if it's because I watched the stage performance of Cats after the movie, but I found it honestly similarly disturbing. Obviously, the musical doesn't have this nightmarish CGI, quote-unquote, digital fur technology that is in the uh, the Tom Holland movie, but I... Tom, Tom Hooper. Hooper. God it wasn't it. directed by the child Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I think Let me retake that. To- no, it's fine. Oh, but either way, the I found the the musical similarly disturbing. It's also very horny. They specifically adapt Rum Tum Tugger, one of the cats from the original source material, to be this kind of playboy cat, and to the point that like the other cats are like staring at his junk and like following it with their eyes, the way cats follow like a mouse toy or something. It's just a weird interpretation of the source material i think the source material the the stage show benefits from obviously like how the cats like the actors would go into the crowd and like do their songs and lines like in the audience so that extra element might make it more of a you know i don't know like fun experience versus just this like slog through different rooms and and introductions of different characters um but i feel like where the movie mainly failed was it didn't decide if it wanted to make the actors look like completely digital cats or like people in cat suits like you do in the stage version i think if it had made it more like the stage version with looking honestly like faker like it's people in cat suits might have been more interesting wasn't there also someone suggesting to do a full animated version of it that that might have also have worked but 
I don't know. I think that there's something about the musical that is not, I mean, to, to use cat's lingo, that is ineffable and it should not be made into a movie. It is, I feel like, I, I don't know. My experience with cats has been like tourists see it when they come to New York and go to Broadway. Yeah. I remember that old commercial. Like if you lived in the tri-state area, there was this like one commercial you would hear big time like, all, all the time. And like, it's the longest running show, whatever. Cats, the number one family musical in America. Cats, the world's most thrilling theatrical event. Cats, the magic, the mystery, the memory will live forever. Cats, the seven-time Tony Award winner, the once-in-a-lifetime experience, the most exciting family musical in the word. Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. Call Telecharts 212-239-6200. I don't think it has the same cultural significance at all anymore. I think it, it just had another like Broadway run. And uh, I don't know. Right. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber, hugely successful uh, musical writer. Yeah. And then you have Tom Hooper, who uh, definitely has uh, experience with musicals because he did the Les, Mi- Les Miserables movie. But he won an Oscar for the fucking king speech yep there's a pedigree of talent uh, to the team making this movie here yeah he's an established director and i mean the musical is insanely successful it is it's the fourth longest running broadway musical from 1982 to 2000 sixth long, longest running west end musical where it debuted from 1981 to 2002 it literally established like a whole new global market for mega musicals the equivalent of a blockbuster uh in the stage in the you know musical world for and other mega musicals like Les Miserables uh Phantom of the Opera Lion King Wicked went on to see immense success and they're all kind of following in the footsteps of Cats so it's kind of amazing that the movie which seemed I think a lot of people thought it was like a sure thing that it would at least make money even if it was weirdly done or bad it's amazing that the movie flopped so hard when the original play is so successful. I think there are two important things to note here about the Cats musical and the transition to it being a studio film. A, the stage play was written by a man who was doing so much cocaine that he read children's poems and turned it into a stage play where men in Lycra suits are humping women in the face under the guise that they're cats. Like, the the stage play is was very popular and successful, but it's still bonkers and totally coked out. And this you can hear that in the music. If you especially even the original music, there was a lot of synthesizers. I mean, it's the early eighties. I guess they the synthesizers were just sort of starting to become like such a big thing in pop music. But I mean, I, I had a music teacher back in the day who referred to the sound of cocaine in the eighties. Just the treble is turned all the way up. Each snare is like directly in your eardrums. And the you know synthesizers are obviously squealing all over the place. And you definitely get a bit of that with the music in both the musical and the movie in Cats. And in terms of people thinking this was a sure thing, like not only is Tom Hooper an Oscar-winning director and Andrew Lloyd Webber like has been knighted because he's so good at musicals, but the cast itself is like A-list talent. Like, this is a crazy ensemble of people that have, like, Oscars, BAFTAs, Golden Globes, Grammys, Emmys, and it just sucks. 
And I think if a lot of the cast who aren't like recognizable names are uh, from the theater world and they're you know quite established uh, there. I mean, we we have to give it to the MVP of the film who like really tries. I think her best is Francesca Hayward as Victoria, the White Cat. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, she was like an she's an incredible ballerina who can also sing and act. I mean, she really gives it her all, and this is a rough thing to have as the first feature film on your resume. Brutal. I mean, I, I could see her, you know, not really doing much movie work after this because it's like, even if you're good in something this shitty, do you, you know, if this is the first thing you do, do agents? even put or you know do, do yeah do you get booked for shit i don't know yeah i mean universal even removed it from their four-year consideration page like this movie is i don't know it's infamous and maybe not in a good way for her well you look at the fucked up visual effects i mean rendering errors there's there's times where like collars are kind of just like off the neck a little too far there's obviously the famous like Judy Dench with her like ring and it's just her human hands, which I'm convinced uh, and my sister thought this as well, that the and we were in the front row, folks. So oh. we really it, it was in the smallest like theater in the place. And we were in the front row and we could like like definitely had the unfixed print of the movie. Yeah, we got that, too, where you can see the hands and Judy Dench's ring in the whole nine yards. I guess we can go through the rest of these stars in the cast and just maybe say a little bit about their their characters and performance. Um, and that's basically the whole that's the whole movie of Cats is just introduces a new cat, the cat sings a song, and then move on to the next one after Idris Elba like disappears them using some <laughs> kind of weird cat magic trickery. I have to say, I felt the worst. Like, like, I felt the most pity for Idris Elba. Like, he really, you know, he, I guess he's like the villain. Yes, he is McCavity, who is the criminal cat, which is, I mean, low-key kind of racist, you know, making the black man play the criminal cat who removes the competition from the jellical ball. And not to be outdone, the other black male cat is Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger, the insatiable <laughs> playboy cat who literally like is like dancing in a milk bar and squirting milk into female cats' mouths. And wasn't there a whole news cycle about how his genitals had to be removed in post-production? Yes, um, he posted his dick print on Instagram, and I don't know this because I follow him. I, I swear, I would never, you know look at a man's genitals but um he posted a dick print on instagram instagram took it down for nudity and he was like it's discrimination against men with big penises if i had a tiny dick you wouldn't have flagged it for sexual content i mean Um, i know all about that discrimination against guys with big penises myself obviously all of the press that he did for this film was like if you want to see the outline of my dick you know go see this movie good god also, speaking of the press tour for this movie, don't you love that the PR team, the best they could come up with was like, it's a film about tribalism. <laughs> That's crazy. It's also funny how they the movie prevented critics from attending an advanced screening. I guess partially because they were working on the CGI up until literally the last minute, but <laughs> probably also because they realized that this thing was going to flop. All right, what do we think of... Rebel Wilson. Ugh. 
Um, so Rebel Wilson is the first uh, cat competitor in the Jellicle Ball that we meet. What is Jellicle? What is it? Jellicle is a nonsense word that T.S. Eliot invented. It comes from the way people in Britain say dear little. It's and little is a you know a cutesy way of saying little. So Jellicle is dear little cats. And that's huh. what it's it's literally just like a nonsense term because the original source material, the old possum's book of practical cats by T.S. Eliot is a collection of light poems that he wrote for his godchildren. But again, none of this context is presented in the film. Literally, they just start screaming that they're jellical cats as soon as the movie starts with no no explanation of what a jellical is, what they're doing, like none of this tribalism stuff. They're just shouting that they're jellical cats. And then we're introduced to Rebel Wilson, who is um, a shapely, shall we say... A corpulent. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a thick-ass cat. She's <laughs> thick. We see it from the front. We see it from the back. She swings her tail in between her legs like a microphone and also in a phallic way. Oh, my God. I Oh, my God. I hated that so much. I kept thinking, like, oh, my God, is she going to, like... I thought that that was cat penis at first right. because the whole movie is like, you're going to see it. You're going to see like cat dick and butts, but it was her tail. It was uh, uh, uh. rebel Wilson's cat dick is something no one should ever think that they're about to see. <laughs> also. Okay. It has to be said the perspectives from that <laughs> scene forward. I mean, s- certain things are so tiny and then like, the cats, like, do they walk on all fours? I mean, I, I don't even want to nitpick all this because this movie obviously is so fucking bad that it's, like, we don't need to even give it the credit of, like, thinking that there was, like, a, a thought process. I just want to know what you thought when you saw um, the sexy cockroach chorus and the digital fur technology children who had their faces stitched onto mice bodies that were dancing for Rebel Wilson, and then she ate them? What, what, what was going through your mind when you saw that? I, I fully dissociated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't think it's bad enough to have to go through all this digital fur technology and see the faces of famous actors on garish CGI cats, then it, it, during uh, Rebel Wilson's song, she is the cat Jenny Annie Dots. She is the one who makes the mice and the cockroaches perform for her and puts them in like these military regimens and the if you couldn't handle the cgi cats the cgi mice and cgi cockroaches would they sent me to another dimension just right out the gate in this film yeah sam there were points in the film where sam literally gripped my arm and said i can't do this i think i can guess what one of those times was (laughs) We have to talk about Bustafer Jones. <laughs> yes. So, okay, 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 okay. Why do we hate James Corden? Because it, for me, it's like hard to put into words, but I think almost everyone I know hates James Corden. So I had heard some stuff on on Twitter about his bad labor practices with his writers and such. I honestly can't remember the details at this moment, but I feel like that maybe turned me off towards him. I remember when he was kissing Sean Spicer on the cheek at the Emmys. 
I think that the reason that we all hate James Corden is actually tied to cats. Like, um, so he's like this famous guy and he's like, don't talk about how I'm fat. Like, don't you ever bring up the fact that I'm fat. Okay. And then he goes and does this movie where he's playing a cat whose literal song is about how fat he is, how much he likes to eat, how he like rolls around on his belly eating curry and cockles or whatever. Like, it's just, he's a real-life Buster for Jones. I know that he's, like, uh, a song and dance man, but putting him in this movie just felt perfect because he's such, like, a, a bland, like... You know, at least some British comedy is, like, dry or something, but he's literally just, like, so vanilla. So perfect for this just... um this is one of the worst fucking movies I've seen. In, like, I yeah. hated this movie. But there were some people who were so awful, like James Corden, for the reasons you said, that Sam and I decided deserve to be in this movie. Someone like Francesca Hayward doesn't deserve this. Actually talented. Seeing James Corden as, like, a fat CGI cat literally <laughs> rummaging through garbage was felt so good. That's true. He deserves it. I have to say, though, um, seeing him, like, teleported and imprisoned on the barge by McCavity, Idris Elba's cats, I was hoping that, you know, Bustifer would, you know, sacrifice himself. (laughs) Well, just because you want James Corden to sacrifice himself. Well, listen. Um, All right, what what about the dame, which is all I kept saying in the theater, Judy Dench. This is actually um, one of the most progressive elements of the film. Traditionally, Old Deuteronomy is played by a man, but for Dame Judy, they switched it up. I mean, well, for one, she's wearing a fur coat of another cat on top of her fur, and they never explain it. She does look like Garfield, too. Her face is literally just like, it is just a human face. Yes. Like, they did not do the necessary work to, like, cat her up. Like, just do the side-by-side with her and Ian McKellen's cat. And it's like, they actually made his face, like, hairy. Hers just looks like, yes, a cross between uh, Garfield and, like, the lion from The Wizard of Oz. So, but yeah, you mentioned another mem- member of the the titled nobility or whatever in the UK, Sir Ian McKellen, literal former yes. like Shakespearean actor, is in this film as Gus the theater cat. And when he's singing his song, Judy Dench is like purring and seems like she wants to fuck him. I, like obviously, people have talked a lot about the horniness of this film, but. I don't know. That scene was just so weird to me when he's singing and she's just like, oh, yeah, you're speaking my language, Gus. She literally busses. She busts it open because the song is so good. Like she spreads her legs as wide as possible in approval. Yeah. Yeah. She wants she wants his uh, spiked penis. But, I mean, I think we should just mention that Sir Ian McKellen's character is introduced like, um, in a like dementia way, rapidly licking a bowl of cream in a way that broke my heart for the real Sir Ian McKellen. Like he did not deserve to be in this film. Yeah. It was like at the end of the Irishman when Joe Pesci can't (laughs) eat that uh, bread. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, he's too old for this. Let him go home. Get the grape juice. Ian McKellen is a kid. 
<laughs> Asparagus, the cat. You get the cream. <laughs> Give me the. God, I wish that I I could see um instead of like de-aged Robert De Niro, like De Niro as a cat. <laughs> the Irish cat. Oh my God, we could make millions. So either way, clearly this has gone on to become kind of a cultural moment. There are a couple ironic cultural signifiers going on right now with the way people are appreciating this bizarre, seemingly plotless movie. I mean, I guess the plot is that they're competing for a chance to be sent off into the the great heavy side layer, which is, again, a T.S. Eliot nonsense po- way of saying heaven. So they basically sacrifice one of the cats at the end of this whole talent show where they're all singing and dancing. It doesn't make a lot they of sense. They are in a death cult. They're, yeah, they're basically in a death cult. So the whole thing is deciding who's going to die next? Yes, but, and then they will be reborn because cats have nine lives or whatever. What is this, Midsommar? <laughs> it is, yeah. People have pointed out that Victoria's character and uh, Florence Pugh's character, Danny, in the movie Midsommar are basically the same thing. They're both abandoned by their family, welcomed by a cult, and then they dance their heart out at the cult dance competition. It's, uh, I mean, it's uncanny. I feel like we also have to acknowledge, like, the... I think this is the quickest a movie has gone from, like, flop to cult, like, like cults, like, popular, you know? Yeah, like, it was, like, instantaneous. I mean, if I think it started with people, like we alluded to earlier, getting super high on a multitude of substances and then watching the movie and having, you know, near life or death or, like, I guess religious experiences, the the whole gamut when you're presented with these bizarre, uncanny valley animals. But um, specifically, I one person who said that they went high said that the scene when Judy Dench like turns and looks at you in the in the eyes, which is something they do in the musical. They break the fourth wall a lot in the original musical, but in the movie, there is just nothing that can prepare you from when for when like a cat version of the dame Judy Dench is staring you in the eyes on like a, a movie theater screen. It, it's really unnerving. I, Rachel can attest at that point I had to just, I, I knew we were almost at the end of this slog and I just flopped into the chair. There's like three other people in the theater. Also, when we saw this, I just flopped into the chair next to me and died for like the rest of the film. Cause I was just like, I cannot take another minute of this. I totally empathize with that. However, I instead just kept taking pictures on my phone of Judy Dench staring at me. Because like I said, I was in the front row. Yeah, I, I think going into it, I thought it was going to be like funny bad. But at, when I when the movie was done, all I felt like was um, a deep sense of regret, I think. I wondered what was wrong with me that I willingly wanted to see this movie. And I was a little disturbed that I was able to convince Sam to watch it with me. Um, I have power. I didn't know I had, and I'm scared of what I'll do with it next. Well, to be fair, I feel like you texted me saying we saw cats because uncut gems wasn't playing in New Jersey yet. 
Yeah, I had messed up. I wanted to go see Uncut Gems, and when I looked at the show times, it was showing me show times for the next day, which and I had not realized that. So when we got to the theater, it was not playing. The only other thing that was playing really was Star Wars, and I wasn't really ready to take that plunge. But for some reason, Cats seemed like a more viable option. I think it was also the time we showed up, Cats was starting in like 15 minutes. So I was like, well, I guess we're going to go to the nearby bar, try to get a drink or two down and then slog through Cats because I didn't want to you know, try to wait around for Star Wars or anything. I had been threatening to make Sam watch Cats as punishment, um, but when the opportunity presented itself and like it was actually happening... I wasn't prepared for what that would entail. I I really, there's no way to be prepared for this film. I have to say, even at the movie's most earnest, like when Jennifer Hudson is singing the you know oh memories, my God. the the one good song. I was I I was hysteric. I think she did a great job, but I'm still hysterically laughing. Yeah. yeah, every time they zoomed in on her face, and you could see how bad the digital fur technology was, and like her painted acrylic nails, like it just it was sending me. And and Jennifer Hudson definitely falls under the heading of people who do not deserve to be in this movie. You know, James Corden deserves this. Ian McKellen, uh, Francesca Hayward. And and Jennifer Hudson definitely do not deserve this. I absolutely agree. I mean, do we think this is going to make movie internationally? Like, are the Chinese going to flock to this film, or is it is it too uh, gay? Uh, the the box office haul that I quoted earlier that fifty nine million includes overseas. Oh, jeez. So <laughs> it's it's a flop worldwide. It's not just in the U.S. <laughs> If only they had released it in the Chinese year of the cat. Oh, <laughs> oh that would that would have helped. Um, I think that if maybe there was a world where they added a little plot and did it fully animated, almost like even like Shrek. Yeah, I feel like this movie could have found an audience much like the you know various Disney remakes from the last few years. You know, I don't like them, but they, you know, they, they, if you're a, a boring, uh, you know, Bob Iger era Disney exec, it's probably the kind of thing you'd suggest. Yeah, I mean, Lion King made a ton of mo- money, but this, for some reason, I mean, for a lot of reasons well. that we're <laughs> describing, I mean, it's, it's totally justified, but this, you know, was a complete flop. And like many other flops, it's kind of, like you said, it's gone really quickly from in theaters. I mean, it's still in theaters. Uh, it's gone from that to cult status quicker than any movie ever, honestly. People are already doing kind of like The Room or Rocky Horror Picture Show style sing-alongs. Uh, Anthony Oliveria in um, Toronto for his Dumpster Raccoon series is doing two sing-along sc- screenings at the Review Cinema. Uh, I love what he had to say about that. He said that Dumpster Raccoon is not just a name, it's my ethos. It's how I describe what I do whenever someone asks. I think my work as a writer or culture critic is what or whatever is that I compulsively forage through our culture trash to find figure out what is, how it works, why we discarded it, what it can teach us. Sharing pop culture has always been one of the main ways I express affection, and the series has grown out of that. I love you. Here's some shiny garbage. And I mean, this is definitely that kind of shiny garbage, but the fact that it went straight from theaters to this level of, I mean, cult goofiness is so unbelievable. 
I don't even know if it got two weeks of like earnest attendance. I think it went like pretty quickly into irony viewings. Well, the trailer definitely like produced a lot of that sort of like irony commentary. Like, oh, it's going to be so funny when Cats is like the bigger than Star Wars. Cats is going to do so well because people are going to see it. Like both earnestly and because the like you know jokes on you you know you'll you'll end up seeing it and it's like I ended up seeing it but like no one else did. No, I mean we're only seeing it to to riff on it on this podcast, obviously. But uh, well, not as wasn't the only reason, but it comes in handy. But either way, if you do want to go see it in an ironic way, the best place to do that probably is Alamo Draft House, which is holding rowdy screenings. Uh, They say on their website that in these screenings, all you cool cats are encouraged to clap, purr, hiss, and hairball cough when the time feels right. It's like people are, like we said earlier, it's, it's turning into just this kind of like ironic phenomenon. Dan, I think that might be a good place to um, maybe try to find a, the special lady in your life at an uh, Alamo draft house screening of cats. So if I wear a cat suit, that's where I'm going to, uh, you know, meet a, a woman. Yeah. When does it cross over to the furry territory? I mean, you could find the Mungo Jerry to your rumple teaser out there. <laughs> Real names of cats. I think you could also go like rum tum tugger and just start spraying milk on women. Um, because in the film, all the girls go wild for that. Yeah, that's what they like. I mean, it, to your to your question, I don't know where the furry community is on this. They're I, horny. But but are they horny for the cats? Is it to them? Is it is it to is it like mainstreaming their niche obsession too much? I don't know because like furries are people that play like exaggerated versions of animals. But in the movie, I think we're we're supposed to believe they're just cats. Like, they're not supposed to be yeah, I agree. humanoid cats. They're supposed to, like, be passing for cats. And that's why they're, like, uh, like when they hold up a fork and stuff. I mean, the perspective is off, but they're definitely supposed to be smaller than humans. Yeah, maybe they would say, like, we're not into bestiality. We're just furries. Or, I don't know. <laughs> not trying to speak for the furry community here. It's something I don't understand and can't speak on. Yeah, I I have to say I I wonder I wonder what the like long-term life of this movie will be and how it will be remembered, you know, if beyond this month we'll ever hear about it again or if it was just you know something that will be like talked about. I, I don't know. I could see it going either way cuz like there's so much cultural detritus now, but this one seems to have really caught on. I think the interesting thing uh, to kind of answer your question is how the actors have been reacting to being asked about the film. James Corden apparently left the premiere early and when asked about it, he said, I haven't seen it. I heard it's awful. Um, Taylor Swift's people like banned the media from asking her about it. Like after the first week of reviews, even though, um, she like has an album out and she was at the golden globes promoting it. But like, you cannot ask her about the film itself. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know how you could look at it any other way for any of these actors, uh, other than like the, you know, for maybe like, you know, people who were more come from the theater world, maybe it's like a, it was a good exposure for them. But like, 
I, I yeah, I don't I, I don't think it looked good for anybody. Nobody likes to be in a flop, but to be in a flop that is this like just clunky, I have to imagine it's uh it's nothing but endless shame for the likes of Idris Elba and uh you know, Jennifer Hudson, Judy Dench. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, luckily, uh, Jennifer Hudson already has her next movie role lined up. But, like, I, I I don't think that it was supposed to be bad, which is kind of... Con- like, how did it get this oh, bad? Oh, no. No, no. It was supposed to be, like, as serious as, like, Tom Hooper's Les Miserables movie. Yeah, it was supposed to be, like, an award show contender. They just didn't really anticipate how hard it would be to, like, animate or whatever because... And that's the astonishing thing. It's like, th- like, did they cut their losses and say, like, all right, this has to come out in time for the Oscars? Like, wh- why did it have to come out in the holiday? I-, 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 I think that the fact that it was put out the way it was is it's one of the great, you know, f- it's one of the great film stories of the year. Yeah, and it was definitely rushed because Tom Hooper himself said at the premiere that he had been up for 36 hours straight finishing editing the film. I I just am like, when you have years to do it, (laughs) I I, I don't know. What do I know about Tom Hooper's process? (laughs) I mean, I just can't help but think that if they did like a Pixar movie of this or something... Or even like what they did with The Lion King recently and just had all the actors just do voiceovers. It, it could not have been this bad. It would not have flopped this hard. I think it's because they, they went so uncanny valley. And also because the musical itself is goofy. and It's adapted from poems for kids. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's not something that holds the musical back. But I guess when you are expecting people to sit in a theater and watch it, it's something that's going to turn them off. I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a perfect storm of all these things where they really thought it was going to be a hit just based on the on the material and the cultural cachet that the show has. But and the stars and the stars as well. But the I guess it maybe has we've moved out of the time period where Cats the musical has this kind of cultural cachet and now and because they'd made the decision to uncanny valley the shit out of every one of these actors and put their faces on bizarre cgi cat bodies it just it's like a perfect storm of a shitty movie do you guys think that this is going to be the last digital fur technology film that's a good question um well does the call of the wild count (laughs) harrison ford's beard it would be interesting to see if the Call of the Wild movie tanks as badly because the CGI dog is so creepy looking. Because I think I've already seen a lot of people mention that the CGI dog in Call of the Wild disturbed them when they saw the preview. I almost feel like like Doolittle is going to do worse than any any of the ones we've talked about. Doolittle, I don't, I can't even imagine an ironic audience for that. No, I don't think that's going to have the same kind of like bizarre cult status that Cats has has already attained. I was in a bit of like a trance the whole movie. Not only from whatever, uh, you know, various uh, uh, edibles I was on, but I have to say like... um, 
being in the front row for this and ending it with Judy Dench like staring you down, like it was quite fucking like it was quite fucking like visceral. I remember the whole time it does feel like a fever dream sort of or like a dramatic hallucination, but I I couldn't help but think about what was why the other people in the theater were there because I was like, all right, I meant to see Uncut Gems. I wound up here. It's all I'm just seeing this because it's a cultural thing now. It's going to become a moment. But like, what were the other people there? Like, I wonder if there are people who genuinely like the musical who went to see the movie and. I want to know what they thought of it. Like, I I do want to meet someone who genuinely enjoyed the film or someone who thought they were going to enjoy the film and ended up being disappointed and didn't get to, I guess, have a laugh about the fact that the movie was so disappointing. I, yeah, I think my theater definitely was mostly people my age or like in their like earlier 20s, maybe four out of like 20-ish people were there earnestly and everyone else I, I definitely could hear like laughing. Although one time I was like, I was definitely had a moment where I was like scream laughing and uh, I was definitely like shushed. <laughs> yeah. Be quiet, Dan. They're singing about like rum ton tugger up there. I took so many pictures on my phone uh, of the screen here. Yeah. I, I was on my phone a lot to look up the the actors and then the character names and everything. Cause I was like, I need to understand what's going on here. Yeah. For everyone that wasn't like um, an A-list superstar, you literally couldn't tell whose face was under the digital fur technology. So like you were constantly looking people up because we're like, is that this person? Is that like, it's hard to tell. I, I have to say, there was a lot of like like Idris Elba's cat specifically just like the nude like sexualized uh, dance yeah uh, like like uh, any time where they they like made it a point that a formerly clothed cat was like shedding their like which was like weird that they would like cats that wear fur so like what they like like they like murder like their other felines and like wear their pelts yeah for the audience i mean they're wearing like they're cats that have fur but they are also a number of them wearing fur coats and even Idris Elba has a fedora like for most (laughs) of the film which is truly bizarre all right. What are our final thoughts? What's the what? What, what, what do we take away from this? I mean, this is Hog Planet. So, how? What do we bring this? Like, like why? Why this? Why this for the show? Because I I saw it and I was like, well, we have to talk about this on the show, you know. I mean, one of the draws for me, and I think what makes this film uh, remarkable and hogworthy, is that it's the first time, first and last time you will ever see Taylor Swift. Um, interacting with a black man and that I think that's why they had to go for so much CGI and digital for technology because um, Taylor Swift like singing a song with Idris Elba she would never agree to do that with her physical body Well, yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely a way that this fits into Hog Planet. I mean, Hog Planet, the conceit of the show is that there are pigs running wild all over our Mother Earth. And in this movie, I guess it's cats. It's like a similar, you know, per- personified animals. But there's something hog-like. Like, I felt like a hog watching the movie. I was Definitely. like... I felt like a hog because 
I was sitting there, you know, had consumed some stuff, and I was just like a satiated American. I felt a little bit, you know, like people joke, you know, X is why the terrorists hate us, like, you know, a shopping mall or something like that. (laughs) When I was watching Cats, I was like, this is why the terrorists hate us. Because we're just, we live at the top of American empire. One of the most like brutal forces that's ever existed. We bomb the shit out of every country. And what is the reward for this? It's fucking Cats. It's like this bizarre movie that makes no fucking sense. Like, I, I, I remember thinking, I was trying to think of a way to relate the cats on screen to hogs but i was the hog all of us sitting in the theater eating fucking popcorn and watching these bizarre cgi cats around i was like we're just fucking eating out of the trough here it's pathetic like it was just i don't know i was rolling around in the mud vaguely happy but also thinking like this is i shouldn't be living like this i think it was my, my my conclusion it honestly made me question the entire like and i think this is something we should all discuss to end it out like what this pushed my ability to watch something for ironic reasons to its absolute limit like i could have walked out of this film i did pay for it uh, but i guess i was just like do I really need to put myself through this for the sake of yucking it up? Uh, like, you know, on a pot. Cause I knew when we were watching it also that I was going to end up discussing it on this show. I was just like, do I really need to like sit around and like poison my brain with this stuff? Like, what am I, it made me question the entire viability of the irony watch as a concept. It is, it is funny how we didn't say we were going to watch it for the show until after I saw it. But, it, like, it was just kind of understood. It was inevitable. I do feel like it's the cinematic equivalent of just, like, like tying yourself, your hands behind your back and, like, rolling around in the mud. <laughs> like, just, just covering yourself in fucking, like, dirt. And, it, it, like, it's just... The, the movie had nothing... There was really nothing redeeming about it. Like... As an irony watch, like I get, I, I get that it could be fun. I don't think I would go to like, uh, I don't think I would go to like a, 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 a you know, sing along version because the movie was so fucking bad. I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, I agree. There's no rewatch value there. I, I really hurt myself when I watched the film. It was a bad decision that I made and. Um, I don't often admit that I'm wrong, but sitting there in that theater, I was like, I really fucked up. I, like, it, I think it might be worse than Lokeisha. <laughs> okay, well, I will say it's not as heinous as Lokeisha, because Lokeisha, oh, no, no. the conceit of which was extremely racist and fucked <laughs> up. But as a watch, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I would rather watch... If I had, if someone was like, "Would you rather rewatch Loquisha or Cats?" I would probably just take the bullet. Honestly, like I would probably just end my life if I had to eat, watch either of these films ever again. <laughs> I think Cats is worth the theatrical experience only if you are deeply committed to just like just letting go of everything that you know and love and like. You have to just completely dissociate or else how could you fucking sit there for an hour and a half? The thing is just, it's horrifying to look at. 
it, it is like a bad acid trip, I think is the closest thing I could compare it to. Like you will suffer ego death. You it, it it's something you don't necessarily want to relive, but it it teaches you a lot about yourself weirdly at the end of it. And if you describe it to other people, it makes people want to watch it, but you will with every breath of your life, advise them not to do so, but you can't tell them why, and they won't trust you. They'll be like, "Oh, well, I just want to see it for myself." And I, I like, I plead with the listener, don't go watch it unless you're really, unless you really, really love the show, or you have a strong stomach for that Uncanny Valley CGI fur technology. But I do not recommend it, and obviously, that's gonna people are gonna want to verify for themselves what it's like now that we described it. But I mean, I think we've nailed it, and they don't need to go see it. Like, just listen to this episode on repeat. It's much better. So, are you guys saying that people should just watch Laquisha instead? No, no, no. Wow. I the mean, title of the episode about Laquisha was was "Do not watch Laquisha." I just find it um, kind of an ambush, Dan, that you guys invited me on this podcast to talk about cats, and all of a sudden we're talking about Laquisha. <laughs> it's just very suspicious to me, um, very offensive to me. I don't want to be part of this narrative. All right, Dan's canceled. Pull the plug. <laughs> uh, you're both canceled, and Damn you it. guys both have to watch Cats and do another episode about it. Like, <laughs> stop oh, talking about Lucretia. No. I I just want to say that musicals are pretty much the only genre where anytime I see one that is really bad, I literally am like, oh, I'm never going to see a musical again. Yeah. No, I felt that. I remember watching it and being like, nah, see, this is why I don't really like musicals, which is not fair because there are tons of good musicals out there. It's just that this, as, I, I don't know, there's something about it that is so deeply cursed that I, I remember even watching it thinking that, like, I wouldn't like the actual musical version of it. I was trying to figure, see the, you know, the stage performance within the bizarre CGI and the picture I had in my mind, and since we've, we have since verified it by watching, you know, performances of the original musical on, like, YouTube and stuff, it's just not good, folks. Yes, I, I definitely think Cats, might as well title it Hogs. <laughs> I would see a pig version of this movie. <laughs> would you see um, a digital fur technology version of Loquisha? Well, if it if uh, if wrong it involved, answer, Dan, you're canceled. If it involved the protagonist wearing a fur coat, <laughs> well. If they make the Hogs version of this movie, you know, the Hogs version of Cats, then I think they could safely cast James Corden as every role. Ew. Yeah, I uh I, I think he's he's a big old pig. <laughs> yeah. Well Rebel Wilson can play the uh the female parts too. I I'm also not a fan of hers, so she also deserves to be in cats, but I don't know. I think I've I've exhausted everything I had to say about this. What, what about the what does the panel have to say? I I really didn't enjoy the movie, and I again I, I think we just want to reiterate it's not worth seeing. Um, we just wanted to examine it as as like because we felt like such hogs watching it. Um, I guess my final thoughts were you know I felt really bad when I was watching Cats. 
and I wasn't sure if I'd ever be ready to talk about it. So I guess I'm glad I had this outlet to, you know, express the experience I went through. <laughs> um, and just to reiterate to people to not watch Loquisha. Um, I don't know why it was brought up again. Uh, I'm not part of this conversation about Loquisha. Uh, please don't watch it. Um, I apologize to all the listeners. Uh, don't watch either film. I have to agree. And if you were going to do a double feature for your worst enemy, that might be the one. Yeah. No, I, I feel like this is like a survivor's group here of people who watched Cats and lived to tell the tale. Okay, if I was doing like a Buffalo Bill sort of like, you know, like I, I had like a, a person, an enemy of mine in a hole, I would, you lower the monitor down, cats, Lokeisha, double feature. And then you come out dressed like a cat, you look in the mirror and you say like, I'd fuck me. No, I would throw down like the cat suit and be like, put it on. <laughs> oh, God. All right, all right. We got to pull the plug on this. All right, folks, this is Hog Planet. We'll be back next week. Uh, again, you can follow the show at Hog Planet. <laughs> that URL was open um, on Twitter, at Hog Planet. Uh, follow me at Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. And um, uh, uh, Sam and Rachie, uh, any plugs here? Now you can just follow me on Twitter at W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K. And I will not be providing my social media information um, as I am going into hiding to avenge the Iranian people. Oh, well, that, that's solidarity. Thank you. Um, but yeah, if you want to support me, I guess just send money to the Iranian people. Um because that's where I'll be for the next probably six to 12 months. You were pen pals with uh, Suleimani, correct? He was my ex, um, but we ended on really good terms. Uh, who doesn't like an older gentleman? <laughs> I, I, I hope that, you know, th- that we can trust uh, Elizabeth Warren to drop out of the race and not turn into the presidential candidate equivalent of cats, just a uh, repellent uh, uh, fact of life. A, a shameful approximation of human it, it, like interaction and emotion, but with absolutely none of the trappings of it that would make it seem real. I think that Elizabeth Warren is the old Deuteronomy of the race. Like, she pretends that she's nice, but she's secretly wearing, like, the flesh of others. And she loves telling lies and being like, oh, I care about people. But then um, she actually just wants to skin you, wear you alive, and tell lies about McCavity, honestly. I feel like, you know, we should say this, uh, you know, give money to Bernie Sanders. He's a real buster for Jones. He's our big busty boy. (laughs) All right, folks, this is Hog Planet. Oink, oink.